Welcome back everyone to a Jed and Gary wrestling podcast. Uh, it's just me again by myself. Uh, Gary is still on holiday. So this is another solo podcast and it's for the AW Dynamite. This week on Wednesday, uh, the 2nd of September, I'm just doing this late on Thursday night. Uh, I was going to do it much, much earlier than a lot of my friends uh, dragged me onto a war zone. So I got wrapped up into that for a couple of hours. So I do apologize if it's any later than anyone expected, but I'm here now. That's all that matters. Um, we also do previews, reviews, outlandish predictions, and all the videos, mostly to do with AEW wrestling and some random wrestling questions here and there. But because it's me by myself, I'm just going to jabber on and... Uh, Continue. So we'll dive right into it, guys. Uh, AW Dynamite. I wonder what your thoughts are on the show, but this wasn't a extremely spectacular one. For me, it was a just one that could pass. It was good. A solid two hours wasn't phenomenal, and it wasn't poor either. There were some bits that were better than others, and some bits that were pleasantly better than others as well but we'll dive right into it um we had best friends in santa versus santana and ot still not going through the name of proud and powerful even though the entrance theme states it so but i'll quickly go through the match um best friends basically jumped santana and ortiz right at the very beginning uh, there was a stage dive off trent onto santana at one point Chuck decided he was building a tower of chairs and obviously he gets chucked into him again by Santana. Uh, and then I think there's a spear on Trent and he ends up with his back on the ring steps. Oh, brutal one, that one. Uh, there's another spear that Trent tried to do. Santana jumped over him, landed into a barricade. Then Chuck eventually comes in. They fight back very, very well, but it leads to be Santana and Ortiz, Santana's rooting under the ring, gets a baton, hits Trent over the back, then the one, two, three. So a nice little save to keep best friends, not on a run, because obviously they've just lost, but keep them safe, keep them protected slightly by this non-disqualifier finish, but a bit questionable. AW have actually been doing this quite often in the last couple of weeks, um, in the last month or so, to be honest. And it, it's just sort of come as a rise, like one in every match of the night <clears throat> will always have some shenanigans, but not directly to cause a DQ, which is much better because that's what we're conditioned for. Someone ends up doing something tiny and it disqualification match. Somebody's entrance music plays, disqualified. That doesn't happen in AEW. It's the ref's discretion. And uh, for a starting off match, I generally thought it was very positive. You needed this sort of thing. It reminded me a hell of a lot of, um, I think it was a revolution pay-per-view where Sammy versus Darby Allen. And uh, Darby Allen just bullets out and uh, gets Sammy before the ring, uh, before the bell has started. And then they start doing loads of hardcore style type of moves. There's like one bit where Darby's on the table and uh, Sammy does like the 450 and they just hit each other with chairs, that sort of thing. And that's what it reminded me of at the very start. It's sort of like just a wink towards that. And it's, it's what you expect to AEW now, an extremely strong beginning. And with two teams as such, with the best friends, we've said it many, many times, they, 
they hit a ceiling at time uh, at a certain point, especially on TV. I'll get into it later. I still think this could have been on the pay per view somewhere, but I will get into it. There's one really th- annoying thing that happened on AEW on Dynamite, which it makes no sense to me whatsoever, and it probably doesn't make sense to you um, listening to us at this moment in time. I don't get. I'll get along to it, but. For where this is heading, it's going to be another rubber bat, a rubber rubber band, a rubber match. Um, or between these two, probably after the pay per view going into another couple of weeks, it'll be a nice little starter to another dynamite down the line. You have two very well conditioned teams, but I've just mentioned Trent and Santana, they're the two main people through this story, and I thought Trent. He's extremely underrated in AEW. He's brilliant as a single star. And if best friends ever do need to get a rest, or Orange needs to come into the fold and create a tag team for whatever reason, as such, I don't know. I think Trent on a singles run will be very, very entertaining. But again, I've mentioned it before, Scorpio Sky needs more concentration on uh, singles run, and he's not getting that much. So if Trent goes into that, he'll just get a loss in the abyss of AEW. So I hope that you guys enjoyed that match. To me, it was a good start to it, a good start to what we were leading up to. So next was, it was an NGF um, vignette type of such. They were in the back area. And uh, it was basically them trying to get the lawyer to come out of his dressing room to go and um, take down Moxley because his match was the very end of the show. So Wardlow kicks down the door, grabs the lawyer, and MGF gets right in his face. I nose to nose, lips distance away from each other. And he just shouts at him and says, any man to get in my way of my goals is basically a dead man. So nice MGF aggression is what we like. <laughs> the match the in the preview I ripped into quite a fair bit and I still do. But the storyline of this match is quite intriguing now. So we had SCU versus Private Party. Not versus Private Party, wait a minute. SCU and Private Party versus Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks. We knew, I think 99.9% of us knew that the Young Bucks were going to win this match. It was hands down. It was depending on what they were going to do in the match. They're executives of the company. If they don't put themselves in the pay-per-view somehow, it's a very non-executive way to doing it. And putting this match suddenly is quite, um, quite funny considering their roles. But nevertheless, they came out of the heel entrance. I just want to put that in there. Their uh, pyro, the bit where the dollar signs come flying about, came on. They didn't do the pause. Interesting. And it was just a box standard 4v4 television match, you would really say. Young Bucks orchestrated it very well. Quite a bit of offense in um, with SCU and Private Party versus the other two teams, which is it's just good. A bit of 50-50 in the match is always appreciated. And there was one spot, actually no, there's two spots. So I'll tell you the main one. There was the double flip and top rope moves that they did on each other where Luchasaurus was with Nick and Jungle Boy was with Matt doing the same moves on both of the private party. But if anyone spotted this, again, this is another, I don't, I don't know if this happened on another Dynamite or anything. This is another incline of what may be happening in the future. SCU did the SCFU again, 
we haven't seen that in a hell of a long time. So quite interesting. It might be a bit of an incline of where they're going down. If Scorpio Sky does is we're in the worst town sort of gimmick again, we might be seeing where this is, but they're doing well keeping them not as a trio at the moment. Then the Young Bucks did the BTE trigger, got the one, two, three, and um, they just walked away from the celebrations, didn't even get their arm up. And uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus looked very bamboozled, is the correct word for it. But the story for it, much improved. I still think it doesn't deserve to be on the pay-per-view at all. One slight bit. Um, there was there is another match that needs to be on it that's been relegated and another match with Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara um, I think later on they do have a vignette so I'll, 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 I'll speak about it now might as well or straight after this one or the other where Sammy's doing his cards and Matt's just up on some random top side looking down and now they've got a broken match where if Sammy wins Matt has to leave AEW. So it's like two matches. One's been built in the breaks of AEW. And one that has had no storyline except for this week. Put onto the pay-per-view. It's really unusual when you've got a storyline to do with Britt Baker, Big Swall, that um, we'll get into. I know I'm going back and forth, back and forth. There's been relegated to the pre-show. The buy-in, it's... it's, it's <laughs> I'm going to use that word again. Bamboozling to me why they would do that. I understand that if Big Swall and Britt Baker have a hell of a start and if it's not necessarily in the ring, and I'll get to that, it's quite interesting. And if they have a great time, a 30-minute banger or a 20-minute banger, you say, oh, brilliant. You give them time to the women. Fantastic. But if they do dreadful, it may be the excuse of, oh, they're in the buy-in, it doesn't really matter, but that's not the point, okay? You have a few that's been built for two months, three, maybe more. I can't remember when Britt Baker got injured, maybe more. And you have a tag team that's been built one week into it. Maybe the Young Bucks entwine their storyline to the future things, but yeah, very unusual. Um, could have guessed. And I do like it now that <laughs> the Young Bucks are basically asking they're actually wanting the audience to call them a-holes or d-heads because they are. They want you to hate them even more now. and you, They want them for you to love to hate them as such. And with the Jurassic Express, who's somebody else in the elite that got bullied? No, sorry. In Jurassic Express, who is that someone that got bullied or someone else in the elite? Marco Stunt. Kenny Omega. So Kenny Omega was livid and he wanted to beat Marco Storm at the end of a match. Do you think that could happen now with the Young Bucks at the end of Jurassic Express? Uh, in the pay-per-view, like where they go a bit mad and they take it out on uh, Marco Storm? I'm just, just inclined in here. Just a few ideas uh, went in my mind and a few things I've seen on Reddit as such, but it's quite interesting that they still have the many storyline aspects of AEW interlinking with everybody, even they're in on individual ones. So, decent match, nothing spectacular, still annoyed that it's on the pay per view, but we're going along. Um, again, it's me by myself, guys. So, if this does go very quick, I apologize. It's just hard to speak by myself and keep talking, even though I seem to do it day in, day out at work. 
nevertheless, a little vignette I, and a little, uh, yeah, vignette that I enjoyed while we're backstage um, segment. That's the word, not vignette, segment. Where his orange was in his dressing room and Hager were coming through and Hager just sits down next to him and, you know, like, there's slight gimmicks is they don't talk too much. And Hager says, that's orange. Jericho wants him, uh, wants you at ringside. Orange puts uh, his leg on Hager. Hager slaps it off and tells him if he's smart, he'll be there. I, just, I don't know why. There was the 20 seconds of Hager and Orange being quiet next to each other that I really appreciated. If they ever do a mini feud between these two, they really need to have them both on commentary at one time. So I remember, um, it's, it's been many a time, many of, I think it was when Jericho was, advertising one of his matches and he had Hager sat next to him and Hager didn't say anything the whole match and um, he was like oh he's the best commentator ever and then Orange is the same thing before or after like another week so it is quite funny uh, another little backstage segment is with Tully and FTR they were celebrating that they won the Gormler that's the first goal the next goal is to take the gold and we'll be right in there so this leads into the best storyline in wrestling. Just intertwined into it. So it's the interview with Kenny Omega. So this wasn't advertised for it, but I, I can't even remember if I brought it up in the preview. If I didn't, I do apologize because this is huge, especially after the questions of um, Hangman Page, Young Bucks last week. It was all up in the air, weren't it? But Kenny comes out normal entrance. He has a Hanek Mora um, tribute shirt, much appreciated. And Tony's there interviewing him. He starts off, your tag team partner is not by your side at this moment in time. And Kenny's like, yeah, it's fine. Everyone in life has made mistakes. We all have to deal with this in life. He has to deal with it now as a tag team. We're going into pay-per-view, but a lonely hangman was taken by the FGR and fooled. We live and learn and we move on. I will defeat the FDR and I hope FDR bring their A game. And then obviously FDR come out with Tully in the background. They bring out a, a cooler and uh, they speak some words. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, I think he said that Kenny and Hangman have had a good run. And, all, um, and then they offer Kenny some chocolate milk. <laughs> uh, and... Kenny knocks it down, basically says he can't, usually he can't turn down like a pint of chocolate milk. Um, we got to know each other really well, but he called them dickhead hillbillies. What do you want me to say? I think that's, I think if, if anyone's not rewatched this or didn't see Dax's face when Kenny says, just rewatch your bike from his excitement holding the chocolate milk. No, I think he's holding a beer. Holding a beer, and then Kenny's saying that line, and then his face just goes, excited baby. Confused, annoyed baby. It's hilarious. And then Kenny says, oh, there's 3v1. Uh, make some old man jokes to Tully. And Paige walks out, obviously, with a drink in his hand. He puts it down neatly before he gets into the ring. And FTR blame Hangman, and they blame it on himself, and he's got it all in his head. Kenny pulls Hangman um, off. They square up a little bit, Hangman and Kenny. Then um, FTR pick up the belts. He's thrown on the floor, and Hangman pick ups the belts. And an extremely positive shot of Hangman's got one belt in his hand, holding out the other to Kenny who is on the outside of the ring walking away 
Okay. For me, I want to clap. Still bringing it on very, very much. There's a few tiny bits I was confused in. And the things that I don't know if me as the viewer should have been addressed by EW or it might have been brought up by FTR, like the word unhinged, I would say. But because Kenny's been a bit on and off, he's with the young books, he's been the cleaner character every now and again. And in this interview, we just saw Kenny, 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 straight mind, Kenny. But if FGR just brought it up saying, yeah, you're going a bit off the rails or something, that would be appreciated because it's like that, that side of him's lost. But that's not the big gripe I've got about it because that's just going to be addressed in the match. He's just going to go off the rails and he's going to go mentally either against Hangman or against FGR or against all three at one point because it's Kenny and the cleaner is eventually coming back. It's inevitable. Uh, maybe call something else, but it will will happen. Um, I think, though, with FTR, it's like escalated really, really quickly. I don't mind it. Um, and I like where they've got, but I feel like even though I've got sympathy for Hangman, it just seems all a bit too easy, if you get what I mean. They've pulled the wool over Hangman's eyes. They've blamed it on him. But for some reason, I've just got this like empty feeling in the whole storyline where it's extremely good. Like I said, it's brilliant. So I'm picking on straws here because you have to with certain things. If something's perfect, it's like an artist. If they've got a perfect picture in front of them, they'll always add tiny, tiny bits to it because they'll never, ever, ever, ever be finished. People will understand that reference. Maybe the minuscule 0.222%, but okay, 223, sorry. Voice in my head. Um, but no, there's something about just an emptiness in the storyline of how it's escalated extremely quick to how Hangman's been tricked. But you could just say that's a drink on him or that's his loneliness within AEW because I just think that shot is perfection where FTR... They're out of the ring. They drop the titles. Hangman is the one that picked them up. So Hangman, he gets blamed for drinking too much. But he's the only one to pick up the titles because it's really deep inside. He does care about something. He cares about winning and keeping these in his grasp. And he still cares about Hangman being his tag team because he handed one to him. Yeah, he didn't look at him in the eye until he needed to turn around. But FTR abandoned him. Kenny's abandoned him. Dark Order nowhere around. Young Bucks, they despise him. The crowd could be a symbolization as well because they're not there at that time. They're very distanced away from Hangman. Long, sleepless nights. It's playing on him. He is the loner, the lawn gunman. That might be his new gimmick. Probably not, but that's what he is this morning time. This storyline is just continuously phenomenal and I'm generally generally scared and excited for the outcome on uh, the weekend I will be doing a preview to All Out tomorrow I think by myself if I can get Gary onto it fantastic but I know he's extremely busy on his uh, time off so do apologise he will be back for the review so at least that's two people speaking if you get bored of me speaking, I apologise. But at least it's two. At least it's two. At least Gary can banter me off when he comes back. So, um, And he'll have some thoughts about this pre-and. So before we talk about All Out, I might 
pinning his head on like the past few dynamites. He does text message me. Um, the last message he actually sent to me was All Out has been purchased. Not that one, but <laughs> uh, he, uh, he just literally said everything. And it's just that tease at the end sunglasses emoji. Yeah. So next match we had on was Jericho versus Joey Janela. I did not want it to go this way. I, I said in the preview, I didn't want Joey to lose so drastically. And it was a mini squash match in the end uh, with Jericho just pounding on him, giving him the Judas effect and then put him in the wall. So it's like two separate finishes. But obviously Jericho comes out does his entrance, the crowd singing his name, he's just got the biggest smile on his face, like a kid in a candy store. Uh, Joey Janela did cut a mini promo before Jericho came out, and basically saying he's going to kill his idol, practically, with his two ponytails on. Um, and then Orange comes through the crowd, well, not through the crowd, but through the stadium with a rucksack, so you knew that he was going to do something before or after or during the match with that rucksack, but it was a very, very quick match, entertaining for what Jericho was. It, it was straight to the point, did what it need. Again, I don't like how they're doing this to Joey, but some people need to lose. There has to be someone there to lose. Okay, yeah, forgive, forgive and forget. Um, so at the very, very end, when Joey's like rolled away, Orange darts into the ring. They do a mini beat down, but obviously Hager and Jericho, they swarm in the beam up a little bit. Then Sonny Kiss comes out of nowhere, so he comes in. And I'm not joking, I think Hig hit that, I forgot what the move's called, but it's like power slide bomb thing, where he picks them up, turns and plants them. Then that's the best one he's hit on Sunny Kiss. Looks really good. And if the chemistry's there for that one move, you're just wondering back in your mind, is the chemistry there for other moves? And then you want to see Hager versus Sunny Kiss. But I'm going to get into the Hager side of it because I've got a question mark for him later on. Um... But that was really good. And then at the very, very end, Chris Jericho and Hager outside of the ring. Orange gets a little bit of the bubbly, pours it down with the thumbs down. Uh, for what it was, straight to the point, a bit more advertising to what it is. Um, but it's all about the lead into Saturday. So you look at it now and you go, well, Joey's just been pinned and he's been submitted basically in one match. That is your clue, okay? What's the third stipulation? It's the throwing in the mimosa. You can still win the match. So Jericho's going in it. Probably Hager as well, maybe. But come on, it's Hager. He's the joke he carries for the moment. He can do what he needs. He can fall in it a couple of times. I think I said that a few weeks ago, just get Ortiz in it, do his fake swim thing in the uh, bath. It'll be hilarious. But yeah, okay. So Jericho won. Judas effect, then does the walls, and Orange is the one to pour the champagne down with the thumbs down. I think that should indicate to say Orange has won the match. Either way, it's going to be an extremely fun match on Saturday, and it's Jericho. Come on. Um, just a new creation off a new guy. I'm just really intrigued in it. I just want to know if it's going to happen before the show, end of the show, middle of the show, and if it does happen and someone gets put into it, like, is the Mimosa going to be around the ring? Like, in my mind, picture it. Do you remember the, like, Kane Ring of Fire matches in WWE, where you've got the little pyro things at the edge, 
like burning upwards. I just want like a giant perspex glassed rectangle surrounding the cube, like a cage would, but on the outside, like a hell in a cell. So you know how you've got the gap between the ring and the cage of the hell in the cell, like that space, just like a perspex cage with a monster in it, because it would just be hilarious. But that's why I think it would just be funny if that was like the beginning or end, or just separately different. Like imagine doing it in the stadium again, like actually in the stadium. Be brilliant. Okay. So for the what I've seen a few people dislike, but I got a few questions about it, but I liked what they did with it. So Team Taz comes out, obviously promoting the battle rally at Starks, and he had cage with him. Uh, they were calling out Lance Archer. And obviously, Jake comes out. He interrupts him. It's a tit for tat. Um, Taz interrupted him, so he's interrupted Taz. There are a couple of squirrels trying to get a nut in the ring, won't bust a nut in the ring or something like that. Yeah. I don't think he knew exactly what he meant, <laughs> but it did make me pop, which all matters. Eddie Kingston comes out and interrupts him. <laughs> I think he rips into Jake this time because he fake taps is like an invisible watch saying this shows life we need time we need enough time for later on <laughs> so i think it's basically saying to us jake's the reason why it was rushed last week which is quite funny um eddie says lance is tough but he's not tougher than him <laughs> and then lance looked furious about to go out and then tully and sean spears come out um and then Billy Gunn and Austin jump in, Darby Allen jumps in, and then basically you just have a big massive brawl in the middle of the ring. You see Proud and Powerful, JK, your best friends. So a lot of feuds in this match. But the thing I didn't get about this was why in the hell did everyone start beating up on each other? Because, okay, I understand that you get a bit, what do you call it? Frisky. Rubbing up against each other a bit too much in the ring and then everyone starts beating each other up. But why did everyone waste their energy for a good 10 minutes? At least a good solid three, four minutes into the break whilst it was like side by side. I'm on fire TV so I actually saw the full thing with the commentary line in the background. But I know you've got the side by side in America on TNT. The, why did they waste their energy, time, possibly get the risk of injury just to beat each other up? For nothing at the end of that one. You've got something ready on Saturday. Beat each other up a little bit. Yeah, fine. Throw people around the ring. Advertise what's going to happen on Saturday. Because it was extremely WWE what they did. Uh, but leave it at that. Just build up a few feuds. I'm not joking. If anyone spotted it, I swear I saw Serpentico get thrown out of that ring five times. Okay. If anybody's listening now, please tweet us. Uh, Jed and Gary WP just tell us how many times the Pentagon got thrown out of the ring because every time because I, 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 I was having my dinner at the same time so I was eating some noodles and every time I looked up he, he was getting thrown out of the ring again I was like what the frig is happening here but the little feuds are the things that revive this segment for me because you've got the Lance Archer versus Brian Cage, interesting. Even Billy Gunn came up to Lance Archer, which I would be quite interested to see in the battle royale, just like a mini one-on-one -on -one versus them two. Um, Austin versus everybody, because you know what he's like. He's the loudest person in the uh, crowd, so he's going to be obviously the best person in this battle royale. 
Um, JK, uh, you've got Best Friend versus Proud and Powerful. Uh, you've got Darby Allen versus Ricky Starks, obviously, which is probably the hottest one in there. And you've got two people, two names that are just the question marks for me. You've got Sean Spears. So obviously you've got all this four horsemen jargon that's like cropping up. So it's quite interesting that he was highlighted as the solo guy coming in very late because obviously, not obviously, but I think I suggest the Tully told him just hang back a little bit. So going, so I'm glad that they brought it on dynamite that Tully's still around Sean and Jake Hager, which was a question mark. I don't think he would win it because he's already had that match with Mox anyway, which is probably the poorest one I've seen sadly. But I think he could build a decent, because he's not got anything in his limelight at the moment. He can build a decent feud in this. I I think, it. I can't remember exactly who he squared up to, but I was thinking that is an interesting lineup as well. Like Jake versus Billy Gunn. Jake for I think any Jake versus a big person, because Jake is that athletic at the moment. He looks like that cage fighter style now with his new shorts, his gear. That I know he's not the, most positive. A lot of people don't want to see him actually in the ring, but he's just, he's a bit like Matt Cardone. He just got a bit of a point to prove, and this is where it could be. So in the uh, preview to on Saturday, if it's not come up already, I'm going to try and guess like the missing few people that possibly could be in this. And then I'm going to obviously suggest my winners and stuff. Um, I've said to Gary, I think I've changed my mind about three times. I think the three people I did mention at the time were like Lance Archer, Pentagon Jr., and I think I said Eddie Kingston, which were my top three if possibly could win it. But um, I'll give you my definite one and I'll sort of suggestions on the review of it. But this segment was really up and down. And I enjoyed it, but didn't enjoy it for certain things. And um, yeah, I also Pentagon gets thrown out five times on the weekend as well. Then we had a Dark Order package. It was uh, mostly about the faces against the Dark Order and side of that 4v4. It was just Dustin explaining that it's for his brother. Nothing much I can add to that, really. They didn't really need much. It's just a TV match on a pay-per-view, I, I really think. And then we had a Thunder Rose, Rosa versus Shauna Dean. I think I pronounced the name right. I'm not joking. This was a highlight for me. This was a banging match. I can't remember too much moves. There's a lot of nitty-gritty. It was basically Shauna going through, the, uh, through it because she's a veteran. She used to be in WWE. I think she released a fair few years back in the big releases and she's just been here and there every now and again. So first thing I'll say is AEW sign these two. You need to. Some bright sparks with Thunder and Sean right there. That match was just perfect. Um, I probably say it was the best one of the night, to be honest. Uh, it's not that much to go against, but again, that's a bit sad to say that was the best of the night against like two, three matches. But very intelligent storytelling where they both knew debuts and they had to go through the ropes and Sundra had to bring out the best of herself to get over the win. And it shows that she can do that against Sheeder on the Saturday, which is very good. Thunder Driver for the one, two, three actually looked lethal that when she brought Shauna up and then her neck collided with her top of the kneecap. Look brutal. One, two, three, extremely good win. Um, this is what now the women's division needed. I, th I think I keep saying this every time there's a title match coming up, it feels like they're doing good strides, they're doing good things, good promos, good booking. 
but only a few weeks before the actual title match. Now, when the title match happens, it usually hits. I think there's, I think the worst women's match I could probably think of is the. God, I've got a name. I can't. This is where Gary comes into it. He just chirps up and gives me the names. Sadly, because it's somebody I really, really don't like. Because I know it's Nile Rose, the alien. Why can't I remember it? I cannot believe I have to do this for a podcast um, about AEW. And I have usually extremely good knowledge. My mind has gone blank. Gary, if he's listening to this right now, is screaming at me. And what is the first name? It's like Strat. Okay, come on, Google. Stratlander, Stratlander. What's the first name? Stratlander, Stratlander. Chris Stratlander. Chris, Chrissy, Chris. Google, Chris Stratlander, there you go. Um, I got there in the end. It shows you how slow my brain works. So apologies, you had to have that brain melt moment. But that is the worst woman's match I've probably ever experienced. On top of that, it's probably the Riho and Shida one. I think it was Shida when the Nightmare Collective came out. Dreadful, but it's all now down to the booking side of it. Fashida and Thunder Rosa on the weekend to make sure it bangs, make sure this is the reset of the women's division. Um, it can't go after the tag team match. I think it has to go third or second to last. I start, I would have this match actually start, okay, depending on if you want to do the missile, I'm getting so confused, start it, just to make a statement, use this match to start, okay. That's it. Thunder Rosa, you've got it. Sheeda, you've got it. Brilliant. So next was a Mox promo. Um, just box standard, really. Uh, the only thing I want to take away from this is he said 2020 has been a bad year already and he doesn't want MGF running around with the title because it would just make it worse. And if that didn't make you pop or laugh, then um, you're watching the wrong show. Uh, just typical Mox promo. I can't really say much more than that. And the next one was a big swole and Britt Baker little uh, thing. It was, it was quite smart. It actually tricked me, even though it shouldn't have because it was so simple. But big swole stood, stood there. And she's about to get interviewed by Tony. And then someone comes up, dressed in black, cap on, mask on, holding a pizza. And I'm not joking. I really thought, that can't be Britt Baker. Who the hell is it? Because it really, really looks like Britt Baker for some reason, even though it didn't, but did. And Britt Baker comes by and behind Big Swole, hits her with a crutch and puts her in the locked jaw and like rubs pizza all over her face and then shoves her mask into Big Swole's mouth. I don't think that's the best thing to do in this climate, but nevertheless, they've all been tested. Do what you like. Um, but it was the fact that I generally thought, like, that's not Britt Baker. I know it's not. And then Britt Baker comes from behind, and it was actually Reaper Rebel uh, dressed as that pizza woman. So this leads into the tooth and nail match at the buy-in this weekend. Three things wrong with this. Number one. Typical thing me and Gary mention all the time. 
you're relegating women to the YouTube show of the main event at that time. Number two, this match does not deserve to be on YouTube because of the development you've given to it. You're basically spitting in the face of this match, putting it in the buy-in for the fact that you've made this build for four months. I know it's a bit like Sammy and Ma, where it's gone on, off, on, off, on, off, lit fire, lit not, lit fire. I think it could have been better if the angle the other week with the handicap match was better. And then the third thing is, if you've given it a unique stipulation, this tooth and nail fight, why not have it on the show? Because Big Swall said she's going to attack Britt Baker at a place of work. So instantly, I think that's going to be at a dentistry, if that's the word, if the dentist office is going to be there. So you would think it's a bit like... Um, Bit like the stadium stampede and like the Kenny Omega, Matt Hardy versus Sammy and Chris Jericho, like around the stadium type of match, which is going to be around Britt Baker's office. So it's a bit of a cinematic match as such. So you could still film it and shove it on the pay per view. I get it. But it's just the fact that you're having the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express that could easily have been the pre-show match. And I'm really getting this one to it. Matt and Sammy are in the pay-per-view. That could easily be a pre-show match. And you just want to build the women up. Having two women's matches on this card, one title match, one feud match, is a big statement. You could have even had this match to come after the tag team match. Okay. I know that is a possible slot for a match to die in the card of the pay-per-view this weekend, but the fact is that it's a tooth and nail, the cinematic match. It's a nice little break. It just brings you back down to earth. You just see people brawl because it's not too serious. I'm not sure what it's going to be, like, or what the tooth and nail match is actually going to be, because that's a fall count anywhere, a last man standing or something. Um, so I'm intrigued, and uh, I'm still going to watch it no matter what. Um, yeah, but there are my thoughts on it. I just, it just made me feel a bit, ew. Like, I can't believe you're doing this again. Typical woman segment before the end of the show as well. Um, just give it time. But if they have a 25-minute banger on YouTube, I just hope they get the viewership for it and I'll hold my hands up. But I think you probably feel the same way as I do. So the last bit we had of the guys was the Mark Sterling versus uh, Moxley match. Didn't hit me as well as it should have done because um, I was extremely excited for this. But uh, Mark Sterling came out, well, didn't come out. He got thrown out by Wardlow. He was in all American colours, the black, not black, blue, red and white. Uh, he did a mini promo as well before the beginning saying he tried his best to get rid of that 17th page. Never in any of his years of being a lawyer has ever seen stuff like that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then Moxley comes out, comes through the crowd slash stadium as such. Um, stirs 
And if anyone spotted it, Moxley prays before his match, basically asking forgiveness to uh, the almighty he believes in uh, for what he's about to do. Uh, it's just a typical teasing type of match where much better than... I can't even say it's much better. It was just a bog standard. You're against a guy that doesn't know how to wrestle type of match. And uh, it's just the last bit of segment, really, that was the interesting part. So Moxley finishes it off, obviously, with the paradigm shift, a very meaty one on Matt Sterling for the one, two, three. And then Wardlow rushes in, gives Mox the F10. As MGF comes out of the heel side with his crawler, gives him another F10. Not MGF, but Wardlow does. And obviously Mox... Not mocks MJF on buttons, throws his crawler away, throws his scarf down, rolls his sleeves up to get a beat down on uh, Moxley. And um, he cuts him open with the ring he has, the Diamond Dallas ring, <laughs> I always call it. Hits him open, cuts his head open, and wipes his blood on his face. Very unusual. And then he bites the wound. But it's a statement that Moxley can get down to the dirty stuff no matter what and I appreciate that at the very beginning Wardlow had to kick down the lawyer's door for MGF to basically beat him up in verbal and Wardlow has still had to do the dirty work here to beat Mox up to MGF to come in so is that a question on what's going to happen on Saturday just your thoughts really guys but it was the thing that got me if anyone noticed it and the only North still on the second time of watching was Wardlow picked up the title and looked at it for a good five solid seconds. You could see the dollar sign in his eyes, like little platinum and the silver marks, gold, brightening his eyes up as he's looking into it before MGF gets it, holds it up, etc., etc. So it's quite interesting how they can go around to it. Um, and after this segment, this is where I think Wardlow is going to be the winged barrel, but I think that will ruin the main event if Wardlow enters it. Uh, I'll get more on that on the weekend, but good end to the show, not as good as it could have been because a bit similar to the Mox and MGF stuff in the last couple of weeks, it's been up and down, really. And this is one of them bits where it could have been much, much better than what it was, but I'm happy it ended it that way because it's the AEW title. That's the main one they're concentrating on. And that is what everybody, everybody, everybody is aiming for. So it's good to finish with that. And it's just MGF being a typical heel worker he is. Uh, I don't really want to add much onto this because it's mostly Gary's bread and butter, this sort of thing. Um, but Moxley and MGF have done as well as it should be minimal to get to the stage for the title match. So hats off to them. Really, really, really looking forward to their match also. And I'm really, really looking forward to the preview. So I would ask a random wrestling question right now, but I'm just going to give you a statement. If anyone doesn't know, uh, NXT might be moving to Tuesdays permanently. So the Wednesday Night War that we have with AEW and NXT might not exist anymore. 
Um, well, it's probably not existed for the last three weeks anyway. Uh, it's just interesting that they're going to Tuesdays, and I think it'll be healthy for the whole the wrestling business to do this because on Wednesday you you come you you're against competition in each other. You're always going to have viewers going on one to the other, one to the other. You're always going to have the set fan base of one and the other. And if you see NXT on Tuesday, I think they'd hit like eight fifty type of figures. Whilst I know AEW has been juggling up and down the week's cards. They've hit 900 on the Saturdays, Saturday. And then they hit, I think, a solid 750 on the Thursday. And I believe they hit 900-something this week, to be honest. Um, I'll just get the actual figures up. Uh, 928, so shy of a million. I know it's a go-home show to repair for you, so it's, it's a good stepping point. And uh, 0.36 in the 1849 demographic, but it's positive that. And all you want to do as a wrestling fan, you want to enjoy as much wrestling as possible, um, and you just want everything to thrive. I get that a lot of WWE shills hate AEW because it's competition, they can't be asked watching it. If anybody that loves WWE and doesn't like AEW is listening to me right now, very, very shocked you got to this point in the podcast. Very very shocked and if you have please just send us a tweet to me and Gary on a, our Twitter account because I just want to bring up your name in our next podcast just to say this person hates AEW and got through an AEW love cast from me and Gary usually be quite interesting to know if anybody else is but most people that will listen to me and Gary um, all minimal of us. I know we're not established yet, but we're doing this as a bit of fun and games. I really, really enjoy doing it. It's currently half 12 in the evening for me right now. Um, Miss is probably in bed thinking, when, when's he going to come upstairs? I'm knackered. I can only hear him brabbling. She's like, actually, I'll probably go up and she's probably snoring her head off. But <laughs> uh, yeah. That's it, really. Just thrive, and everybody just love wrestling. There might be a Tuesday night war now with Impact and NXT. You never know. Probably not, because Impact only get like 150, 200s, and NXT. If they keep up the 800, 800, 850, I think USA will be very, very happy with that. And to be honest, if I was the executives of WWE, I'll be much happy with that because they were the numbers they were posting before AEW anyway, and it would only help their booking because. I'll be honest that I am a match this week. Why the hell did you bait and switch that at the very end? You silly, silly company. That is, I'm glad I, I watched it on double speed. Okay, guys, I'm, I am because if I watched that the full 60 minutes, I would have been peeved if I was a NXT, 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 NXT only fan. I would have been absolutely annoyed through my mind and I generally think Adam Cole's going to win it next week but uh, I wonder what Gary thinks of it, I'm asking that as the random wrestling question at the end of uh, the all out review but much appreciated guys I uh, hope you enjoyed me rambling on for a good 40 plus minutes uh, please again, I've mentioned this before follow us on Twitter at Jed and Gary WP um, we will be updating our YouTube if I change it, if anyone does haven't heard my computer died, lost all my passwords basically I need to do a new YouTube channel we're going to do it for shorter type of videos or outlandish predictions, I will be doing another one tomorrow for that um, hopefully 
I'll probably put it on the podcast. I need to wait until Gary's back so we can sort out our YouTube again. So I do apologize if anyone's subscribed, waiting for videos on there. We haven't got any. My fault, should have sent the passwords to Gary. But we're still doing podcasts anyway, that's all that matters. Um, and yeah, yeah, if, if, just send us a couple of tweets. Um, I don't think I'll have time to watch it uh, live on Saturday night, English time. UK time, I'll be watching it Sunday morning first thing. Good breakfast, some cocoa pops. Uh, if anyone doesn't know him, he's the monkey mascot for the um, chocolate flavored like rice crispy thing. Great cereal. I could probably have a, like, a full on podcast about how good cereals are. And probably a lot of other things, but no, no, I just want to hear what you guys think. Just going to throw a few ideas out here when. Uh, AW brings out a few new games. I'm a very, very big video gamer. I'm going to do a lot of things about um, like the games as such, probably reviews of it, or, uh, talks about it, maybe do a Twitch account because I love my video games. If you can get something set up to do with that, even better. You probably heard me mention Warzone previously, but have a good night, guys. Hope you enjoy your evenings, your days, whatever you're currently doing right now. And... You can listen to me rambling on again tomorrow about the preview for All Out. Good night.